0: Well, today we're talking about prayer, so <laughs> we've been in a, a series called Rooted, uh, we just started a couple weeks ago, last week we had a panel and listened to people and how they go about the spiritual disciplines. and. We were away, the elders were away a while back, and we were talking about what we want to do I mean, What we should, as a church, how to, what is it that we need to be doing, and one of the things that we looked at is, you know, we need to focus on ourselves, we need to look at ourselves and who we are, are we being the church with each other, and as we talked more about that, um, we talked about how we are, you know, how we are with, with our relationship to God, and as we looked through that, it's like, you know, we gotta, we got to be connected, and so as we looked kind of into the summer, we said, you know what, we need to, we should spend some time talking about this stuff. And so we got into this idea of the disciplines. And so the disciplines are just things that you need to be disciplined to do. And so we're going to spend some time looking at those. Today we're looking at, at a couple. But you know, to be disciplined is, is difficult. And so when we talk about discipline, we kind of got into this idea of rooted, that when you're disciplined, you don't really see what's going on in someone's life with a discipline, but you see the effects of their discipline. And so a lot of the times when you, you see a healthy tree or a healthy plant, you're like, okay, something, you know that something below, below the surface is going on. I know for myself, I, I, I've, I've grown vegetables in my backyard. I've just become a fan of it the last six or seven years. But the first year I grew vegetables, my son Jacob, the second year as we were planting and getting ready to start the garden, he looked, says, hey, daddy, I said, what's up? He says, Do you think maybe we could eat something out of our garden this year? (laughs) I I didn't do a very good job. Um, I didn't take care of the things like I needed to take care of them. Now, I've learned that to to make this happen, there's a whole process. I used to put seeds in the ground and then water them and then... Maybe water them another week later and nothing would ever grow. And so I started learning a little bit more. It's like starting smaller. So I, got a, I, I learned about a grow light that you put inside. And I put a grow light in my garage and I got a heating pad. Not yet. You don't. <laughs> that, that's the bad effect one. This is what happens when you don't water the grow light. <laughs> oh, not the grow light, but the plants that are underneath the grow light. But I start them there and they start growing. And then uh, with some good soil, you take, then after they've grown a little bit, you take them outside, you put them in a pot, uh, get some good healthy soil, put some fertilizer, in it, and then you water them. That's a good thing. And then you continue to water them until they get healthy and they grow bigger. Now, af- after that happens, you look and they have some good root systems, and all of a sudden they produce fruit. Now, right now in my backyard, I'm just going to show you some pictures to bring you into my little world. I have... Um, Right there, I have a little sweet pool. That's my backyard. Those are snap peas and some melding pot peas. Those are zucchini. Keep going. Right, the tomatillos. Anybody like tomatillos? I, they grow in my backyard. People say they don't grow in Oregon. They grow in my backyard. Uh, strawberries there right in front of them. Keep going. There's my strawberries. I think we have about 15 pounds of strawberries so far this season. And then behind those, are, I have about 26 cherry tomato plants. Um, those are my. Che- they're not grow. Then I have some beans and some more snap peas and some onions and some raspberries, and then I think I have one more and a bunch of bunch of onions. I like onions, <laughs> so I think that's that's good. But anyway, I the idea of grow it takes effort for that to happen. I am continually in my backyard making sure my sprinklers are working, making sure things are getting watered. I was not home. I left really early yesterday to go watch one son play baseball. Then went. To, and drain and then drove to Coos Bay after that, and I said, honey, you, you have to water the zucchinis over there because it's going to be hot today. But it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of energy to, to make that happen. And when you do that, when you, when, you, when you take the effort and you figure that stuff out, then all of a sudden what you have is, is health. And so when you don't do it, when you don't water, when you don't give it attention, give things attention, things die, <laughs> and, and, and it looks wilted. I, have the, I do have, You bring that picture back up. I, this is my grow light, and... It looks green, it kind of looks good, but they're all laying over on the side. Because I I went in there, it's been about four days since I put any water in that thing, and it has a heat pad underneath it, and everything just wilted and died. I I picked it up and it was like light as a feather. But but that's what happens when you don't water. Now, what we want to talk about in this next few weeks. And today we're going to our two disciplines, two things that you need to do in your Christian life, or maybe think about possibly doing if you want to be healthy. One is prayer. And the other one that you probably don't want to hear about is, is fasting. And so what I think, we I want to talk about today what those things are and why we should do them, and then how to do them. But I think when we start to talk about those things, it gets confusing. When it comes to prayer, you heard the guy, you know, on the video right there. It's, it's kind of an age old thing. Of you know, the, we were at a community group, and this one guy in our group was we, we went around and we talked about pet peeves. And he said, What's your pet peeve? He goes, I don't like to be asked to pray when there's a pastor in the room. I don't want to pray. You're, you're a paid professional, you do it. But when it comes to prayer, we get all kinds of different responses. We get people, you know, you don't want to pray because you don't want to pray in front of people. You're not praying with other people. You know, Why bother sometimes? We think about prayer. Why bother? He's going to do what he wants to do anyways. Um, He's God. I'm not. I think sometimes we feel like we're just wasting our time. Or sometimes we might be in a place where we don't feel like we measure up. So he's not going to do anything I want to do because I'm not in the right place right now. And so I don't feel like it. Maybe sometimes you might, you like this, you start the beginning of the week, you start off with good intentions, and you're really good. By Wednesday, all, all of a sudden, you're out the window, it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm done, because I, I, I'm not doing very good at this. But we get, sometimes with prayer, we don't like to, like, we have prayer meetings here, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to that thing. People get carried away when they pray, they just pray too long. Uh, you know, when it comes to fasting, we sometimes with, you know, with like fasting, what is that? That's weird. Why would you fast? I mean, you could die if you fast. I need to eat food. And so I think sometimes when we talk about these things, we get a little weirded out. But when you think about these two different subjects in the Scriptures, the Bible, it talks about it a lot. There's 650 different prayers in the Bible. There's 450 different times where prayers are answered. Jesus specifically has 25 different prayers that he prays in in the time when he was on earth. Fasting is talked about over 77 times in Scripture. And so it's talked about a whole heck of a lot. But when he gets to this idea of this prayer and fasting, prayer is basically this. It's communing with God. It's this joint participation between you and him. It's this intimate experience that you have, that you get to talk. Ian Bound said this He said in his book, Power Through Prayer. He says, Prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into the perpetual communion with the Father. Meditation introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our minds. But it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. Prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all, the pers- of all personal godliness. A story from... Uh, Brennan Manning is one, one of my favorite authors when I was in college, and as I've um, used to read all of his books. And one of his books, he tells a story of a of a gentleman that was on bed rest and getting, he was sick and getting up in age, and his daughter became real concerned with him. So she went, and, um, and so she was talked to him. And the, her dad wanted to talk to a pastor, and so when he got a pastor, the pastor came to the house. They were talking, and the daughter asked the daughter to leave the room. And it says that as he was talking to the pastor, he says, You know, I want to ask you a question about prayer. He says, Okay. He goes, he goes, I want to know if this is all right. He says, When I pray, he says, I, I have see that chair that you're sitting right there. I pray I pray to that chair, as if God's sitting in that chair. He goes, Is, is that alright or is that weird? And he says, He goes, Of course that's all right. You're talking it's personal, it's relational. The story goes on and on. He, the guy ends up passing away, but when his daughter went in to get him and find him in his room, he had moving over his head onto the chair, which was right next to his bed. You know, prayer is, is intimate, and prayer is personal. You know, fasting, on, on the other hand, is something that we, we get confused about. Because it's like, well, why do I need to fast? And there goes a long period of times so like, if, I don't, if, some, if we don't have to fast, I'd just rather not fast. And I was talking with a guy, one of our elders, and he was talking. He says, you know, Mike, I'll, I'll, pray, I'll pray for you, and I'll fast over that. I'm like, oh, crud. <laughs> don't, do, don't do the fasting, because I don't want to do that for you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, as you start to think about fasting, and you start reading the scriptures, and you read the Bible, and it's like, wow. It's really a lost art. It's something that we don't always think about. as something that's not at the forefront. But in the Scriptures, it's all over the place. You know, Daniel, most of the time when in the Scripture, when they're talking about fasting, you're talking about uh, abstaining from food. That's most of the time what's happening in Scripture. But when you read in Daniel, Daniel would abstain from delicacies. He's... just um, he abstained from wines and meats. He did a different type of fast. But fasting is just basically drawing you in closer to God, something that's drawing you closer to him. Uh, the, some of the things that we might fast for, you know, is maybe your TV. Maybe it's media. Maybe it could be the Internet or the radio. You know, I, I know if you come from the Catholic, some of, I mean, they, you have Lent. And before Easter, you give up something. You fast or abstain from something. Uh, but it's all done so that in your connection with God. Now, why, why should we do these things? You know, first off, uh, just look at prayer. If you have a Bible that you want to open to chapter 6 of Matthew. It's going to be on the overhead if you want to, to look at it. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. It says, and when you pray, you must. I'm not going to keep going reading it. And then verse 6 says, but when you pray. And then in verse 5, he says, pray like this. And so he's not saying, you know, if you want to pray. He's not saying that you must pray. He's just assuming that you do pray. And he says, would you do this? You know, in verse uh, in, in and Jesus kind of did this. And Luke, let me just back up a little bit. Luke 5.16, we find that, that Jesus withdrew and he prayed. We find in, in Luke 11.1 1, that when Jesus was praying he came back to his disciples, the, the, the disciples says, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so we find over and over again in the scriptures that there's prayer. Now, Colossians 4.2, it says... It talks about, in the NIV, it says, be devoted to one another, but in the ESV, which we've been using, it says says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Uh, you guys know First Thessalonians 5, 17, where he says, pray without ceasing, or pray continuously. That's in Scripture. Uh, John 15:5 Jesus says, he's talking about being the vine and the branches, but he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, over and over again, in 10, Luke, Luke 11, 9, the, he's, the disciples had asked how to pray in verse 1, but he gets down, he tells them how to pray, and he says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. And he's just continually telling us that we need to go to him, and talk to him. And then Luke 18, 1 says, pray, and don't give up. And so, why should you pray? Is that a good enough reason? <laughs> that he tells us over and over again in Scripture that that's what we possibly should do. And so we should. And then fasting. You know, you think about fasting. I don't mind praying. Okay, I see that I should pray. But the same thing happens in verse 16 of Matthew 6. He says, and when you fast, he says in verse 16, and then in verse 17 says, but when you fast... The same idea, right? He's not saying if you do. He's not saying you must. But he says, but when you do. Now, our fasting is found all over in Scripture. I mean, Jesus, we know, fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And most of us will say, well, that was Jesus. Good for him. He did that. We also know that Moses fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights when he, was the ten, when he went up on the hill with the Ten Commandments. Over and over again, Paul and Barabbas fasted in Scripture when they were ready to appoint elders, elders. Uh, Jonah, when he was wanting the people to repent. Ezra, when he was seeking deliverance. Nehemiah, when he was getting ready to rebuild the wall. It says, Scripture says that he prayed and fasted. But you know, one of the things that's kind of convincing, in Matthew 9.15, he says, it's John's disciples are talking to Jesus, and they were perplexed over the fact that they... Um, they and the Pharisees were fasting. So John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples were fasting, and uh, the Pharisees were fasting, and they asked Jesus, you know, what about your people? Why aren't your disciples fasting? And Jesus says in verse 15, Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and what will they do? They will fast. And so he's saying, hey, the day when... I go away, then they will fast. And so you see over and over again rationale. John Wesley says this, first, let it, he's talking about fasting, let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him. and Let our intention here be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Now, that's what fasting is all about, and that's... But that's why we should fast. But another reason why we should fast is because it actually reveals things that control us. You know, food, as much as you could, I could sit there and give a justification, well, of course it controls me. I need it to live. You just told me plants need food and fertilization. Why wouldn't I eat? But the idea that when you fast, you realize your hunger pains. And that, that's one thing. But the other thing is, when you fast, you begin to realize other things that control you. Because when you get hungry, what do you get? You get angry. You get frustrated. And you begin to figure out the things that are controlling you. And the things that have a hold on you. And so another reason to fast is for that. David says in Psalm 69, I don't have this on the overhead, he says, I humbled my soul with fasting. And so bitterness and anger and jealousy and all these things kind of come to light when we're hungry and when we're giving things up. Now that's, you know, what, what it is, why we should fast, but in Scripture, how do we do these things? And so first off in John, go back to Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, it says this. He says, first he tells us, he goes, he tells us how not to do it. And so in verse... Um, I'm going to look at fasting first. Verse 16, it says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so when you're fasting, if you're doing it out in front of people, and you say, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. What's he saying? You've got your reward. That's not what you're doing. He talks about the same thing with prayer in verse 5 of chapter 6. He says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. He says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And so you've got these people that puff themselves up. And have these. And he says, If that's what you're about, you've already got your reward. Verse 7, it says, "And When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And then verse 8 says, don't be like them. And so he tells us what not to do, right? He tells us that this is what not to do. And then he tells us how to do it. Verse 17 of chapter 6, it says, but when you fast, he says, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret And your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is one reason why we probably don't talk a lot about fasting. Because when we're fasting, we're not telling everybody about it. And the preacher doesn't stand up and tell you all about his fasting because he doesn't want to be, because the scripture says not to. But at the end of the day, it's between him. Between you and God. And so when you're giving things up, and fasting comes in all different types of ways. And it could be maybe you start with say, you know what, I'm going to give up a mill. The elders, we've been talking lately, we've been thinking about a few different things. You know, one right now is I sent out a text this week. Our, our, our property fell out of escrow the two days before it was supposed to sell. And so one of the things is like, we don't know why. We're not sure what God wants with it. But at the same time, we're going to pray about it. We're going to fast and say, God, what is it that you want with this? You're in charge. We've been praying this whole time about it. What do you want with it? You know, God's, God's in control. When I know when I was in uh, Los Angeles, I was in this little city called Lawndale. It was one square mile, pastor of this church, and the staff and, the, and our elders, we got together and we said, you know, we want to pray for our city. And we started We walked every street in, in Lawndale praying for the city. And just during the day, we had a map and I would highlight it. We walked it and we prayed for it. But there was this piece of property across the street that we kept praying over that God would make it a park. We, we just prayed it. We didn't, you know, that's what we, our hearts desired. And, and I found out a couple years ago, I'd been gone for five or six years. Guess what it is now? It's a park. But God does what God wants to do, and guess what? Guess what I wanted the park? I wanted it like nine, 10, 15 years ago. That's when I was praying about it, but it happened in, in his timing. And I can say for our property, we have all kinds of ideas of what we think. You know, it's like, God, come on, this is what we need. You know why? Because this is where we're at. We can't can't begin to see what he wants or what he wants to do. And so, when we're talking about it, it has to be more about our hearts and who we are. Now, then he goes in, in verse 9, and he says, this tells him, this is, pray this way. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so our Father, he's saying, this personal thing, talk to him like he's your God. Now, have you ever heard the word hollow before? It's like, what does hollow mean? I mean, I've heard it a hundred times, and it's like, okay, does it mean empty? <laughs> is it, it's, and hollow means sacred. It means consecrated. It's, it's revered. And so when you hear the word hollow, it's something special. It's something that you can't even comprehend. And he goes in, and he says the first thing, he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's saying, okay, God, we're... He said, when you're praying, align yourself with his will and what it is that he wants. And then it goes into the rest of it. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Now, this is... He's quoting Jesus, right? He said, so he's saying, you know what? You got to forgive people as... And, and, and you got to forgive people and also be forgiven. And then he says, let, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil in verse 13, but then he comes back to this forgiveness thing, because maybe we're not really good at it, because you look at verse 14 and 15, the author, he quotes Jesus, but the author, Matthew says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, and it's like he's focusing in, so so he said, this is how you do it, first off, you address me. But you know, I read this, and sometimes I don't know about you. I've read the, the Lord's Prayer my, my whole life, and sometimes it just seems like a little lofty. It's like it just seems like that guy standing in the corner. I mean, it just kind of seems like these big words. I was reading. If you wanted? I was like, look at. Let's think what Jesus says. And look over to Matthew 16 about Mark 14: 36. And Jesus, when he's in the garden Gethsemane, he he's praying to his Father. So he's taught the disciples how to pray, right? And so here he is, and they're quoting his prayer. What's he say? Abba, Father. So he taught him to pray, Our Heavenly Father, right? And when he prays, what's he say? Abba, Father. Now you think about Abba, Father. What's Abba mean? Abba means Daddy. It's intimate. It's close. You know, you can't imagine. My, I have a little in my middle, son Micah, him coming into me, going, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. He, my son doesn't approach me that way. And a lot of times, I think we see God that way. And I, what Jesus is trying to get across to us here is he's daddy. He's like your little, he's, he's, you're his child. And when you come to him, come to him like you're his child. It's simple. We make, we make prayer so complicated and so up here in the sky, and he's saying, that's, that's of the devil. <laughs> because at the end of the day, I want a relationship with you. And so Jesus' prayers this very simple thing, Abba, Father. And then he says next, he says, all things are possible for you. And so, hallowed be thy name, Your reverie He goes, I know you could do anything. I know there's nothing you can't do, Father, Daddy. And, he's taught, and he prays that. But what's the next thing he says to him? He says, remove this cup from me. And I think sometimes we feel when we're praying that we can't tell God how we really feel. And he's got, Jesus is there getting ready to go to the cross, and he says, remove this cup from me. If, you, if I don't have to go to the cross, if I don't have to do this, this would be a good thing. And I think sometimes when we think, when we're praying to God, we've got to tell him what he wants to hear, as opposed to how we're, where we're at. And that's exactly where Jesus is at at that point, is that he's like, you know, remove this cup from me. Don't make me go through this. Do you ever want to hear real prayer? Have you ever read the Psalms? You wonder why there's so much lamenting in, in the Psalms? David, in one breath, is going, God, you're the greatest, you're amazing, I love you, there's no one I can do with, kill them, strike them, they're making me mad. That's, that's, David's, that's the Psalms. And it's David going back and forth because he's telling God how he feels, but then he aligns himself with God. And that's prayer. Prayer changes us. Richard Foster, a book that we the elders are reading called "Celebration of Discipline." He says prayer is change. It's basically it's transfer, It's what transforms us. And so when you get to this place, you think about prayer. Uh, it's 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 a thing that you know you, you get to this place you got that you know God could do anything, but at the same time you get to tell Him how you feel because at the end of this verse He says, "Take this cup from me." Then He says. Yet not what I will, but what? But what your will is. He says, this is what I want, but you do what you're going to do, because you're God. Now, the thing of this is that, obviously, we come to the prayer, it's this idea is that what God is trying to get out of us is to become aligned with him. Go back to chapter, five, chapter 6, verse 8. Matthew. What's what's Matthew say? He says, do not be like this. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Think about that for a second. I'm sitting here going, yeah, you need to pray. Why do I need to talk to him if he already knows what I need? Why would I need to tell him? Well, the idea is Richard Foster has it right. Prayers to change us. Prayers to get us aligned with him. Prayers to help us see what he sees. So when we go to the Father, we begin to see a little bit more of what he sees. It helps us give us a little bit of perspective because we don't have real good perspective. Because you know what our perspective is? It's me. This is what I want and what I think is best for me. And at the end of the day, what prayer does for us is helps align us with him and helps show us what his will is and what it is he might have for us. Back in the beginning when I talked about communing, uh, prayer is communing with God, it's joint participation the thing about prayer is we say stuff to him, well, he's not joining me. You know why? Because it's his will, not your will. Prayer is joint participation. And when you get in line with his will, all of a sudden it's a beautiful thing. And all of a sudden you become beautiful. But when you're where you're at and he's where he's at and you're not wa- wanting what he wants, guess who's wrong? That's something that we have to think about. You know, the thing with prayer is this. is that My wife and I when we're in good terms and our relationship is healthy is when we're talking a lot. We get together. We get some coffee. We hang out. I find out how her day was. She finds out how my day is. Just simple, basic stuff. And when that happens, we seem to be a little bit happier. But days when I'm busy, I'm here long days, I'm at the ball field long days, and we're going. We're getting the kids in bed. i get up the next morning. A week goes by, and we're like, hey, my name's Mike, and we don't, all of a sudden, guess what happens in our relationship? We start biting at each other. And the thing with a healthy relationship is there's got to be constant communication. And prayer is that. Prayer is constant communication. It's joint participation in His will. And when we can figure that out and we do that, it changes It changes everything. Because sometimes, have you ever felt like you're not on the same page with Him? Maybe... Maybe prayer would help that. The idea of fasting is this. Fasting is just a matter of you going, you know what, I want to get closer with him. And I'm God, you, I want, it's just between me and you. I'm going to give up my cell phone. I'm going to give up social media just for a week. I'm going to give up a food item I like so that when I think of that food item, maybe I'll pray. Or when I feel hunger pains, I'll pray. Then I'll think of you. But it's a way for you and him to grow deeper and your roots to be more firmly grounded. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word that we get to, to look at it and be reminded. And it's a lot of scripture this morning, but it was just...